In this episode, we're going to be looking at the album Mean Everything to Nothing by Manchester Orchestra. Manchester Orchestra is an American alternative rock band from Atlanta, Georgia, led by founding member and principal songwriter Andy Hull. Now well into their second decade of existence, they've released a handful of EPs and five albums, with Mean Everything to Nothing being the band's second. I've chosen Mean Everything to Nothing because the album was given to me by the friend that most shaped my earliest musical influences, at the time bootlegged to CD and shared with me during a music class. Thank you for tuning in and we hope that you enjoy the show. This is Mean Everything to Nothing by Manchester Orchestra. You're listening to Between the Tracks, a book club but for music. Join the conversation at tracks.show. Let's buy us. <laughs> you feel all that? Alright, alright, alright. What were you gesturing at me then? I I just gestured. <laughs> Jesus! Welcome to the show, everyone. Welcome, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> what was that? Uh, I don't know. It's probably me messing around with my Stretch Armstrong. It could have been Stretch, yeah. You know, just listeners, uh, we we were referencing Stretch Armstrong last week as the toy that we all decided we wanted to break the most, and we actually have one on hand this week. Yeah, yeah. Chris did uh, get drunk the other night and ordered one a thousand. <laughs> you know, um, you know, people that go to the gym, and everyone's like, oh, he skipped legs day. He hasn't. Right, no, no. <laughs> Old boy's legs. If you've got a stretch Armstrong, just stand it up straight and let him do his thing. And believe me, oh boy, skip legs day. He's top heavy, man. He's yeah. top heavy. That's not the stretch Armstrong that I remember, though. The stretch Armstrong that I remember looked nuts in comparison. I said it looked smaller, but I think I'm just bigger. Maybe he had that massive mouth and a different haircut. And... I think you might have had a blow up. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> that was the Cornish version. Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> start, start off by ragging on me yeah, yeah. Yeah. well alright well should we start then hello everyone um, welcome back to episode 2 of Between the Tracks um, let's get introductions out of the way my name's Carl Lewis this is Charlie Fowler hello Carl and this is Chris Albunte the bump bunt <laughs> hello Carl sorry uh, and yeah we're back for um, Chris's choice this week which is uh, Manchester Orchestra's Mean Everything to Nothing mm. we've uh, been away researching and come back with hopefully a bunch of interesting things to talk about today Imagine if it wasn't. Imagine if it I've wasn't. I've got some interesting yeah. facts up my sleeve. <laughs> He's got some facts. And you know, we're, we're back week two, which is good. Uh, maybe I'll, I'll shout out or I'll refer to that, uh, that introduction that, I just, that you just heard. Oh, yeah. Um, I'll just, Whisper and I'll just, say, <laughs> I'll just say hello to um, Jim at home in Cornwall, because that, that is who I got this album from. Oh, the guy when in I was a kid. Class. Yeah, when I was a kid um, in music class uh, during secondary school, I was probably 12 or 13. Got that. Big day for me. I got that. I got a Radiohead album as well from him. I think it was probably, it must have been OK Computer, although I, I think it had some other songs on it. And Spice it, Up Your Life. Spice Up Your Life. And it was um, Death Cab for QT as well. So they were either three compilation albums. No, this was Mean Everything to Nothing was definitely the entire album. Definitely the entire album. The other two, maybe not. But um, I put off most of it for a long time, but this one was real, real instant. Nice. Mm. Do you Very ever, thankful. Good choice, Fanti. Do you ever remember when you were uh, really young and you'd download stuff off the internet off like LimeWare or Kazaa or something and just halfway through it, just play blasting white noise for about 10 seconds and yeah. then give you the rest of the song? Is that punishment? It must be. It um, must be. I think the record label started putting stuff up yeah. so that you would just get bored of the platform. That's, be like, that's, that's, Lars, that's Lars Ulrich doing that. He's going He's literally around, Lars, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. yeah. a pair of headphones and a sweatband over them <laughs> ru- ruining your day. Can I just point out that um, other illegal downloading softwares are available? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, I was, we were young. Come on now. Come on. Come on. All right. So um, do you boys want to dive straight in or do you want to address a couple of bits and bobs first? Let's get in there. 
We can go if you want. Um, maybe we'll talk a, a little bit about the the, oh, the Spotify thing. Yeah, just the platforms because I know that some of some of the guys um, out there have, have contacted us directly and, and said that they've had some trouble with some things listening yeah. to the episode. Yeah. So basically, if you're listening on Spotify, we've adapted this kind of system where it will play segments of the show followed by the songs themselves in their entirety, which is great. And the reason we've chosen to do that is because that means the artist gets every single penny of the stream during the song. So if you're listening to the episode and all the songs that you listen to within that, the artist will get paid for, which is great. The problem with that is that Spotify hasn't released that for something called Spotify Connect, which means that you can't always connect it to your wireless speaker, which is a bit of a pain in the ass, but I think they're addressing it and I've sent them a message and hopefully that will be addressed. Can't but, send them a message to you know, one absolutely. of the biggest companies in the world and they're going to sort it out. Yeah, they said they'll get back to me, so we'll see. But um, yeah, that's the kind of where we're at with it. So if you are listening on Spotify... Either do it through headphones, which would be better for the music anyway, or Bluetooth directly to the speaker instead of using your network. So yeah, I think that. That's if that wasn't confusing enough, there you go. No, I don't know that. some of the things that you said, but those people that do understand it will, will appreciate it. I, think. I hope so. Yeah. Okay, right. let's, let's do it. Let's do the next yeah. one. Let's do it. Everyone ready? All let's right then. Track. Well, this is uh, Manchester Orchestra, Mean Everything to Nothing, and this is track one called The Only One. Track one, the only one. I think um, it might be worth us starting with the lineup, who's on the album, just so we know, because this band does have some moving parts and members that have come and gone. So in this current incarnation for this album, it was Andy Hull, a singer, writer, in for the most part, and guitarist. Our lead guitar was Robert McDowell, bass, Jonathan Corley, drummer, Jeremiah Edmund, and keys, percussion, Christopher Lightning Freeman, who's credited on the album, as Christopher Freeman plays CNC drums and with your brain, which I loved. He does play with your brain. I've got time for that. Maybe we'll get to him later on anyway. Definitely. He deserves a chat anyway. But um, He does. But yeah, track one. It's funny you mention that. I, I, just because you mentioned it then, do you want to see the most weird little diagram I found? Well, of course. How does this translate? Oh, yeah. Translates great this for is, radio. This, is, um, this <laughs> translates great for radio, but it's basically like a... Um, a graph of them, all the members that are in the and have been oh, in Manchester Orchestra. Yeah, and how long is how, how long they're all in the? Okay, it's not well, the only one that exists. There's many like that. I well, think. no, no, but like I just thought it was quite funny. Hmm. That's good. We'll we'll post that when the episode um, goes out. We'll post that. With Sorry, the, listeners. With the tile. Imagine what Arcade Fires looks like. You know, it's it's you have to deal with these things sometimes. It's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, what do we all think about track one then? So, um, something that's probably worth addressing early on is that this album has a lot of potential triggering themes to it it's kind of it goes very close to religion very close to kind of potentially drug addiction it's all implied obviously this is an album that can be interpreted in any way interpreted interpreted in any way but yeah potentially themes of um molestation and stuff like that so just a quick warning for everyone that that's potentially going to be brought up in our interpretations of it mm -hmm, um, saying. yeah um it's interesting because Andy, so a bit of background on Andy, the writer himself, he is the son and grandson of, of ministers in the, in the Christian church in Georgia. Um, and so there are a lot of religious themes that he does go into. Um, but yeah, what, um, what were your thoughts? Well, that's what I took from this song when I, when I first heard it anyway, that line, I'm the only son of a pastor I know, um, immediately it's a, it's a great flag for, for the rest of the album in that. Yeah. 
look, we're probably going to be addressing some of these things. It's one of my favorite lines in the entire album, I think. I like I like the way that he addresses that head on. Um, I'm the only son of a pastor I know that does the things that I do. Yeah. I think it's great. And it's, it refer, it, the, the melody um, is hinted on again later. I'm the only son of a bastard I know uh, that knows the bastard too. Th- th- those are couplets over two different verses. Mm-hmm. Shout out to couplets. Yeah. Shout out to couplets. Love a couplet. And um, and Andy Hull is is fantastic at writing in that way. Um, he is. He, he's yeah. he's amazing with words and um, hinting at rhymes, carrying things over into different verses, different choruses, mm-hmm. referencing them in other songs and stuff like that. You know what? For for saying you're like Chris always says, you know, I'm not a lyrics guy. I, you know, I don't pay that much attention to lyrics. This album, when you actually dive into it, is so complex. It terrified me. Yeah, I've been terrified. I think it is. And I think it's terrifying. Um, It's like when we came onto this episode, I thought, you know, almost having to be careful where I put my opinion on certain things because I feel like it's holy ground. Yeah. I mean, everything is open to interpretation, including, you know, religion and stuff like that. It can be, I think Andy plays, he tells the line really well that he never, he uses a lot of double entendres and kind of has consciously beats around points like, the first line, I am the only one that thinks I'm going crazy and I don't know what to do. Like it was referenced that he was always kind of felt alienated by the religious community at home and having to follow in the footsteps of his father and his grandfather who were pastors and, and ministers. And so mm. like the idea of him thinking he's going crazy is like, just because I don't feel like I want to live this life, I feel alienated now amongst the entire community that do. Right. And the the son of a bastard, is that like his the fact that because he didn't follow in the footsteps of his dad and grandfather, does that make him feel like a bastard? Almost like someone who doesn't have a dad because he didn't follow in those those footsteps. Yeah. I I mean, he has a great relationship with his dad. So that's that's a confusing thing. Yeah. Throughout the entire discography of, of Manchester orchestra and videos and everything that we go, that we go back to or hear following on from this album, there's always that it's actually quite frustrating because father is a word that either is your dad or it is God. Like it's, that's, that's the biggest hurdle for me is I don't know what he's, if he's, if he's always referring to his dad or if he is referring to his faith. Well that, yeah, those, those double entendres are, are littered it. through that. And like it. he gets, he does that a lot in, in a bunch of different ways, which, which is great. And it does open things up and it adds a theme to the whole album. Can I say one more thing about lyrics? Go for it. You know, the line, um, the passive power of the truth would cut me loose. Mm-hmm. I thought that was, super interesting in itself you know like the i thought like another way of it's almost saying like the submissive strength of something it's kind of like completely juxtaposed yeah sure yeah yeah, yeah. and i thought that was that was a cool line but Mm -hmm. again it you know it's a hard one to pick apart he has he has a way of writing and and those religious themes and those struggles tend to keep coming back yeah 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 it gets Um, more and more apparent as we go on yeah and it, it it makes a really interesting um listening and trying to unpack these songs is is a yeah it's a job in itself. It's scary, but we, we can only do our best. We can and there's not as much you know compared to last week. Let's say with Snail Mail, there's not as much concrete evidence about what some of these songs are, unless they're they're directly um, addressed by him. Yeah, which is so, the beauty of of, of music course, in general. Of course, yeah. away from the lyrics though, as as I was going to say, sorry, um, the song itself I think is 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 possibly one of my favourite starts to an album. Mm. It feels like the start of an album, um, that especially that's that sound that begins, like that winding up sound. Yeah. Um, move, winch like, him up. Yeah, basically winch him up. Yeah. Um, and then it 
the whole first verse is building, adding, adding, and adding, and adding, and then it just drops. Yeah. Which I think is, um, it shows where we're, we're going to go with it, with the rest of the album, but it's a, it's such a powerful start to an album for me. It yeah, it is. And a lot of the lines start, like, it's almost like an introduction saying, I am the only son of a pastor I know mm. who does this thing mm. they do, and I am the son of a bastard. All of it's almost like an introduction to the audience describing himself. Did yeah. anyone nearly fall over with the um, old hard pan guitar? Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was literally, I don't know if it's like uh, more modern tunes these days. It's slightly more like stereo filled. It's kind of slightly wider so that they can do stereo feel. But, um, <laughs> yeah, sorry, sorry about that. Yeah. But I literally was like, oh my God, I think my headphones are broken. And I yeah, did yeah. the whole pan thing. And my God, it's like 100% in one ear. Mm, yeah. Crazy. It's, but it's the, mixed interest. But they do so much. It's, it's such a short song. And they do so much in that song with um, layering things up. Um, dropping um, halftime, so, so making it feel like it's slowing down almost. Mm-hmm. They got some slide guitar thrown in there. Um, there's just so much. I, c- I could talk about the, just this song yeah. for a long, long time. Um, my my favourite bit that I didn't realise existed is that towards the end, there's this, I, I have to call it a Beach Boys-esque um, uh, backing vocals that are yes. right in there. Um I, I didn't even know it was there. I've, I've known this album for years and years and years. Didn't even know it was there uh, until I had sat down and listened to it. And it's so funny that it's there. That confused me though, because I was thinking like the lyric, the lyrics and the theme of the song, and then you've got this Beach Boy-esque BV, and you're like, whoa, this feels happy yeah, and light. Yeah. And, and then, you know, the lyrics are like, oh. <laughs> but it's yeah. a lot of fun. It's, sure. It makes it a lot of fun. Well, with that being said, we'll move on to track two, Shake It Out. to me then uh, <laughs> gross sorry <laughs> no endorsed cool like that it. was uh, track two shake it out incredible 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 yeah massive um, it's so good so frantic just chaos and oh, again just all so those much. religious themes there's just so much isn't there there it's is there's so a lot much. to unpack yeah, yeah I I found like this one introduced for the first time in the album themes of addiction which I know for a fact that Andy is clean and I think always has been. This is what I was going to ask if anybody had exactly found something that I yeah. couldn't find out. Yeah, myself. I found out he was he's always been clean. I think he has like a drink and stuff, but he has he's had no addictions. But I think like the the addictive themes in this are playing on an addiction to God and his relationship with that. Sure, it almost feels like he's becomes addicted to it and then gets away from it and it keeps pulling him back and that like the first verse shake it out shake it out i need another and another and another i can feel it now that is a classic like shaking pills out of a bottle taking them oh i can feel something now totally i i also got that massive sense which i did through the whole album of frustration yeah and i think it's even safe to say in track two i was like this guy knows how to express emotion so clearly through the way he actually sings mm-hmm. Like his voice is so emotive. Like it can it can put you in a. He sounds frustrated when he wants to sound frustrated. He sounds angry when he wants to sound angry, in the way he sings. And I I felt that that came that was quite clear in this song. Yeah, I felt like there was like a frustration from him, and the frustration was kind of he wanted something external to fix his problems, which you know in this case is God. I you know we can assume we yeah. can assume, but um yeah, 
it does as a whole feel like a constant struggle with God or with religion. We can't say God too specifically because religion, there can be a struggle with it. A lot of people like Andy still believes in God and is still a very godly man. But I think the extremes of it he dealt with as a child is what is fought in this album, in, in my interpretation of it. I mean, mm. yeah. <laughs> the the open to interpretation door is is, is always open. It's yeah, open. I'm probably going to say open to interpretation Inter- about a thousand yeah. times in this episode. So. Just quickly get that down and, and put that on one of your buttons and then it can be... Yeah, I could do, yeah, open to interpretation. Yeah, oh, I think I actually have open <laughs> to interpretation. I think it's here. Um, I execute judgment on you. Did anybody hear the... Have you heard the alternate version that is on the... Uh, the EP that was released at the same time, uh, no. 14 Years of Excellence EP. It's, it's called 14 Years of Excellence. I've never, it's, I'm sure it was released in 2009 at the same time. Everywhere I've seen it is released at the same time. But it is like, it's an acoustic version-ish. It goes into full band mode, um, but it's loaded with even more vocal harmonies. It's, it's, it's amazing what they do. And um, they um, also add some additional lyrics to it, which is such a, an interesting way to, to repackage a song towards the end. I felt the Lord begin to peel off all my skin. There's, there's a set, there's almost like a call and response moment in that. So if you haven't heard that, definitely go and listen to that alongside this because it does, um, it does make the song, um, sound really, really different. Th- this is a really instantaneous song for me. Uh, I mean, what was this like the second single? Uh, I don't, well, the whole thing, I mean, was kind of every song was almost a single because every song had a video. So. Yeah, this song had two videos because it had the the one that was part of a bigger theme, which we'll get into later. And then there was the official kind of video with Andy in it, and it's such a good video if you go watch it. It's like it's based on a Sylvester Stallone film called Over the Top, and it's about a guy who um, is a truck driver who comes on hard times. <laughs> you're doing this seri- You're going to do this seriously? Yeah, and not laugh through the the, <laughs> the, the synopsis of the film about uh, a truck. To drive. It's, a, it's an arm wrestling film. Yeah, yeah. It's, man, it's great. <laughs> he spoke to me. Um, yeah, so he's he's on hard times. Let's can we have some quiet? Hold on. Um, I don't know if anything for that. <laughs> oh, that was weird. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's based on a Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> Let's just leave that film, shall we? <laughs> no, 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 no. We're going to talk about that film. Yeah, no, all right. Well, it's based on a Sylvester Stallone film where he's a struggling truck driver who goes and picks up his son from the military, I think, who he's never really met. And he accompanies him on the road as a truck driver to compete in arm wrestling competitions. And Andy Hull is the truck driver. And this little kid is his son dressed in army stuff. And it's fucking great, man. He's just going around slamming people's arms around. It's great. It's what I dream of. Oh, I want, yeah. a, I want a life like that. Is that, is that how you want to live your life? <laughs> yeah. Great. Well, if this works out, we'll get you a truck. <laughs> yeah. um, Did anyone think that bridge was a very biffy Cairo? Yeah. There's a few bits in this album that I thought were quite biffy. Um, shall we move on to track three? Let's do it. Okay. This is uh, track three, which is called I've Got Friends. Track three, I've got friends in all the right places. First single off the album? Is that what it is? Mm-hmm. There mm. we go. Maybe first and only. So when I was saying about that yeah. before, I think only this um, and Shake It Out got, got pressed as singles. I think that's right. Got that's you. why. Yeah, but yeah. this was chosen as a single. 
Uh, you know what he said about it? You know why he was chosen? Yeah. yeah. Quirkiest, right? Yeah. Is it? Yeah, for me... Is I it though? I mean... Where I had... Well, is it? I don't know. I mean, it has... Like, the start is very... There's a couple of playful themes. It sounds a bit childlike in the kind of... Sounds like a toy machine at certain points. And, um, and like, having lines like, I can't play where I'm not supposed to anyway. Like, referring to his childhood as being someone who can't do certain things. Like, certain music wasn't allowed in the house. He wasn't allowed to do certain things. So... I think it has a playful quirkiness to it. I, I felt exactly the same. Mm-hmm. Exactly how I read into it. Too. Mm. Exactly what I thought. I know that it was as a response to the, the songs on the first album. And, uh, you know, lots of bands do this anyway, where they pick a song that is really far away from the songs that, that came before, basically. I know that, you know, we've already spoken about Biffy Clyro and that happened on the last Biffy Clyro album where you get the first song and you go, okay, this is really weird. Um, this doesn't feel as weird to me anyway. I, I I wouldn't say it's um it's the most instantaneous for me. It's it's not one that that, that I would always look to listen to. Yeah, I, I adore this whole album. I, I I'll say that right at the top. Um, I wouldn't skip any songs through this album. I li- I listen to to this as, as an album, but it is it's quirky and and it yeah. for me I do like it. I like the chorus, I like I like how it moves. He says it's the quirkiest, but there for me there were like the little piano riffs and stuff. There were definite things that could you could see why this track caught on as a single for me and why it did so well. Yeah. I mean, did anyone have any, I couldn't understand the, I've got friends in all the right places. I know what they want and I know they don't want me to stay. So does that mean he has a lot of dead friends in heaven and he knows what they want? They don't want him to stay here on earth because the music video is a person, the protagonist who's out, who's throughout all of those videos and her boyfriend who is a bear. No, her boyfriend is, <laughs> her boyfriend is killed by a bear. That's true. And she's walking through a, graveyard and a, and the entire band show up as ghosts and start chasing her a ghost a ghost so are they the friends in the right places is the right place heaven is it again oh my word carl i read the, uh, i read that um people thought that it was a breakup song oh no it wasn't a breakup song but he was into this girl and his friends were basically saying she's not right for you and that's why they were not with him so friends in the right place is friends coming from the right place by exactly. saying she's not the one for you Wow. Well, I mean, that's two, yeah. that's two contrasting opinions on what it means. So, Well, I don't do lyrics, do I? So famously. Uh, yeah. yeah, famously. <laughs> just famously not the lyric guy. Does that mean I can just step out all the time? <laughs> Did anyone watch any live videos of this song? I didn't see one, actually. I watched the... Because, you know, they reference uh, Lollapalooza a lot in... I don't know if you noticed that in their interviews, that it was like their favourite gig. Yeah, they've played, mean, their, they played there a lot. Yeah, they've... Cool. They've, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> um, no, no, that's, that's a, no, you're right. They do, they do say that. Yeah. Uh, because they've been very honoured to play there a lot. There you go. But I was watching one, I think it was 2014, and they were playing this tune. And you know the keys line? It, mm-hmm. it just, in the track, it's, it's very, like, it's a massive part of the tune, and, and the keys player in this was absolutely going mad for it. Well, this is Chris Freeman. Freeman, yeah, yeah. But he was like absolutely oh, Chris rocking out for this. Absolutely mental on stage. He's oh, amazing. Man. So he's not in the band anymore, which is a shame because he was in the he was on the first album, second album. He was he was there for quite a while actually. He may have um, jumped out before the latest album, A Black Mile to the mm-hmm. Surface, I think. Um, but he's such a loss. Um, we talk about in the band that, that I play in, uh, we talk about... Shout out Monkle. We talk at... Thank you, Carl. Shout we talk, out the Wurzels. We thank shout out the Wurzels. We talk about this idea of an auxiliary guy, the guy that brings... Basically what Chris Freeman is doing, he's the hype guy. He's, he's, yeah. he's Flavor Flav, but plays instruments. He's, he's just an absolute hype. And he, 
but the thing is, he just turns around with his back to the audience and he's just air guitar headbanging to every yeah. single tune. Um, I watched an interview yesterday where it was Andy and Chris and Andy was talking about Chris joining the band and he was just like, do you want to come and be in this band I'm in? He's like, yeah, but I can only play drums and you've got a drummer. So they were like, well, we'll put an extra kit on stage that you can play, but like, we need some keys and stuff. You, like, well, you'll figure it out. And he just joined the band. He didn't know how to play anything other than drums Amazing. and just dragged him in the band. And that was it. Um, and a funny thing about Chris Freeman is, do you know the name of his side project? Go on. It's good. It's called Alaska Him Nicely. Oh yeah, oh. I did see this. <laughs> Beauty. I love it. I haven't heard any of it. He's a it funny wasn't... guy though, man. If you watch um, Manchester Orchestra had this podcast, and that was a video cast. So every- Stay off our airways. Yeah, exactly. Stay out of our way. Um, they'll put them up on YouTube. They're only a couple of minutes long. And in those episodes, you get to see them all just hanging out in a splitter as, as a young band. And Chris Freeman's a funny guy, man. He's an artist now. He's he's like a designer, I think. Yeah, I um, remember Mike Mike Griffith. Shout out Mike Griffith of Munkle, um, showing us some, uh, showing really? me some of his things. He's yeah, he's he. No one ever looks like they're having more fun in the room, regardless of if they're the band or if they're the uh, the audience. No one ever looks like they're having more fun in that room than Chris. Freeman. Than Chris Freeman, yeah. So yeah, yeah big big blow, big blow uh, for the band for those that know who he is. I think mm -hmm. their latest album hasn't suffered from it. Um, it definitely did the best um, in terms of critical acclaim. Yeah. Uh, but I would assume missed on stage. Yeah. Assume, and I don't think there yes. was any bad blood. I think he left in, in good spirit to pursue his own, his own side projects because they're all, they're all artists. And so, yeah, they all have their own thing. But um, speaking of Mike Griffiths and Munkle, um, this next song, Pride, um, we had a comment from Mike himself saying Pride all day, every day is his favorite song on the album. So let's jump into that one. This is track four, Pride. Oh yeah, track four, Pride. I'm on now. Oh, it's heavy, man. Sludgy. I, I wanted Bunt to set the scene when he first heard this song because I I can imagine a little Chris Bunt going nuts. <laughs> Tiny Bunt. I think I had uh, I probably had a uh, close to an afro at that point. My hair just didn't didn't go down. Oh, please tell me there's a picture of you <laughs> with an afro. I, I've got. Oh, them. there's some bad pictures of me at that age. Yeah. Oh yeah. Hell yeah. Mm -hmm. Nice. Yeah. Um, how how would I have felt? I'd have been get razzing around in my little Peugeot one hundred and six, probably. With do you remember that I had that sub in the back? Do you remember that sub? That was... Oh my good god! <laughs> oh my did god. it have an underlight? <laughs> I hope it did. Do you remember those? Like a dodgy Need for Speed yeah. custom. Did anyone yeah. in your village, the village, the village. have uh, an underlight on their scooter? No. no, I grew up in Heighton Village in Liverpool. If you had a scooter, <laughs> it was getting taken off you immediately oh, by, by someone who was bigger. Well, I was um, I was hammering around country lanes listening to this one probably. Um, it, yeah, it's, it's a massive, it's massive, this song, isn't it? Yeah, it's huge and it progresses so well. Like, the, and also, um, one of my references for this one is the first two notes, the first, very first bit that's played is exactly the same, apart from the key, as a song called Parable by Tool. Just so you know. Nice. Yeah, Cole, and, but the whole thing sounds a lot, a lot like a Tool song. Cole likes it. Is it really? The whole thing sounds like a Tool song to me. As someone that's scared to death by Tool. And yeah, if this, if, if this had a Tool-like music video, you would literally have nightmares <laughs> be, about it. I'd be oh, out. Chris I'd, is terrified of I'd it. I'd never have brought this album if, it sounded, <laughs> if, if I knew it sounded like Tool. Yeah. Did, um, did any of you guys feel like you've been in some bands that have knocked on the, like the, almost like the door of this song and been like trying to 
trying to create this sound in your own bands because like it's hard to execute this kind of heaviness it is the heaviness and like the tone and stuff you're like oh this feels good but i feel like i've been in bands where i'm like we're gonna go heavy (laughs) (laughs) and everyone everyone yeah one of those behringer fuzz pedals everyone puts that on exactly the cheapest (laughs) fuzz pedal you can afford fuzz pedal you can afford is a really hard saying going into like the second hand bit in the uh what you call it with the Dawson's guitar shop. You're like, right, how much is that one? He's like, eight quid. I'm like, yeah, I love it. Yeah. And it doesn't work. Yeah. Fantastic. Or pressing insane on your line stick spider amp. <laughs> but um, yeah, I love like when it comes in, the vocal is so dry, like, like literally no reverb on it. And it's like this, such a haunting kind of delivery. Um, and then he goes into like the, the massive break, but um, it did kind of like, I know I'd love to her cover this song is, you know, um, One Direction. Wes Scantlin from um, Puddle of Mud. <laughs> did you ever see his about a girl cover no. so imagining um andy hull's voice in this and then thinking about this right terrifying terrifying it is terrifying and it should never have been able to happen someone let that happen someone someone actually and it was like serious xm or something take it it's Oh, it's brilliant. You're right, Wes. I had the Puddle of Mud album, so we're not going to... Me too. Did you? Yeah, well, of course it did. Well, Wes, if you're listening. <laughs> you either go Puddle of Mud or you go Tool. It's, it's, you do Is there maybe only two, yeah? <laughs> you go into a record shop at that age and it's just Puddle of Mud or Tool and you're like, do you want the red pull or the blue pull? Mm. And you take out to the guy who's, who's taking your money and they just go... <sighs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you buy the Tool album and you get unplugged from the Matrix and you get to hang out with the cool dudes. And if you buy Puddle of Mud, you have to carry on in this. My word. This fucking false existence I've been going through all because of Puddle of Mud. <laughs> I, um, when, I, when I put this on the first time, I had it like respectively loud in my headphones. It has to be. No, oh, respectively as in... Respectively loud. Oh, right. And I was like, hmm, I wonder what happens if I turn it. Let's go! <laughs> for, let's go. for every decibel you turn it up, the hairs on your arms stand up one inch higher. Perfectly said, Carl. It's ridiculous, man. Um, but yeah, lyrically again, just intense and amazing themes. Um, Fake a face to make the kingdom clean. So another reference to getting clean, but also cleansing your soul and all that stuff. Um, after all, it's me, the king and the beast. Assuming that me is Andy Hall, the king is God and the beast is the devil. So a lot of kind of awesome. religious intertwined themes as always with this album, which is amazing to listen to because especially as someone who is personally not of faith and never really has been, to dive into these themes and to see how people... As someone who's been brought up in that sphere, has conversations almost with it, is is really was really interesting for me to listen to, and so yeah. But I took the end, the the re- repetition of the end, slight variations, but repetition essentially. I took that as like um, reasoning with an addiction, basically. Yeah, like falling in, falling out, falling in, falling out. Yeah. Um, what what a habit! I think I'm dying for another mm, one mm, and stuff mm. like that. Yeah, yeah. Man, he's so good with he's so good with the way that he he plays with words and stuff. There's there's some really good examples later on anyway of it. Yeah, but, but littered throughout every song, um, it's great. Um, but this this is this is a live song. Mm-hmm. Where, they where, open the set with this for yeah, a long, long exactly. time. No way. Yeah, yeah. Um, it it doesn't really go away from the set. I think um, it's yeah, it's it's right at the top of how many times they've they've played. Yeah, uh, their songs. Um, but there was a great quote where um, either Andy or Chris Freeman said that they want to um, they want to scare people um, when they play live. Basically, <laughs> they want to scare people into to um, liking the band. I think you know the, you know when you you remember those bands that you see and you're like, fuck, that is a that's an insanely good band. Mm-hmm. 
And that's how they approach it. They just want to scare people into, into liking the band. I thought we were t- talking about something else. Like a few festivals that I played at and you get all the kids that are right at the front, like right at the front and you get on stage and it's dead silent on stage. And obviously we've got the click coming in our, in our ears and I'm thinking as soon as this comes out the PA because they, they can't hear that. Yeah, yeah. They're going to shit themselves. <laughs> and, uh, I thought that's what you're talking about when you're saying scared. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not going to rest until those people at the front have blood coming out of their <laughs> yeah. ears. If, if we haven't blown their trousers off, it wasn't worth coming. Um, but, but at the time of, um, well, just before um, Simple Math came along, which was the next album, at the time, this was Chris, th- that's what I mean with Chris and Andy, this was their favourite to play live. Yeah. Uh, for sure. And it, again, it, it's visible when you watch it, if you if you watch any of their videos. They haven't got a lot of in-studio videos, but they've got a lot of good quality, um, like, festival videos and stuff. Yeah. And, I mean, and it's incredible. Pride kicks off, man. Pride absolutely yeah. kicks off. Such a good live band. Some of those, like, the Lollapaloozas and stuff are great. Um, also, um, check out the music video. This is another, again, we'll get later, maybe. If not, loosely, each song has a music video, and they all form one extended narrative, which I couldn't make head and tails of. It didn't really seem to unravel anything for me yeah but in this one it does have a good it fits the lyric quite well also remind the video reminds me of the radiohead just video in its theme oh with the guy in, yeah okay. with the guy yeah. with the briefcase yeah, same sure. haircut could be the same sure. guy maybe reckon... that maybe that's his gig he's like on his um <laughs> he's got like a headshot of just him and he's like well i'm, I'm the guy from the just video what, do you want? <laughs> what else what do you mean i've got my own briefcase let's go the agent is frustrated as fuck i can't get you anywhere man. yeah like, not like <laughs> in, not like in extras where you've got barry from eastenders in the office well it's like oh the guy from the just video maybe um i don't think we'll we should keep returning to videos anyway because we've as as you've just said then the, the every video every song has a video but and they, they, I think they might be related along the way. Yeah. It seems to spin a narrative. If you can make sense of it, send us a message and let us know because I tried to bring that in as part of my notes and couldn't really. Same, make yeah. Sense. Until you get to um, until you get to one of the later songs, um, I think I think the everything to nothing video may clear up some things. So maybe start there because uh, there's got some there's some tarot readings in in that um, in that video. Yeah, Could I get a, a thread through those those videos? Not really. Nah, nah. No. So I'm happy to never, ever talk about them for now. Great. Cool. Well, uh, let's, uh, anyone, anything else on that one before I move on? Good for me. Cool. It's a favorite though, isn't it? It's, it's incredible. Man. It's, it's massive. I, I'd love, I've never seen them live. I'd love to, but I would love if they were still opening with that because I'm sure it goes off. Um, so yeah, this is track five in my teeth. Track five, In My Teeth. Amazing chorus. Amazing this, tune. This was my favorite for a long time on this album. Yeah. Uh, having been a, a, a long time listener of it. This was a big song for them as well, right? This catapulted them in terms of uh, commercial Did it success, really? Apparently. Oh, I didn't, I didn't get that. This I is where I was reading. I don't have a quote for that, so it, maybe it didn't. But this is, it was alluded to the fact that this was a big one for them. Mm. Sounds a bit Nirvana-y. Anyone really clock that? Yeah. I'm, yes. So, yeah, I mean, glad you said... The, there were two albums of reference for the for, for when recording this album. One was In Utero, uh, so Nirvana, and one was Pinkerton by Weezer. Oh uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. This you know this does feel like an this this feels like um, uh, say about a girl. Go on. No, I was gonna. Oh yeah, <laughs> fuck it is. No, I was gonna say. <laughs> oh, shit, is that what you mean? <laughs> oh no, it is. No, it's gonna be lithium. Lithium. Um, oh, also the baseline yeah, yeah. for sure. And um, I read. Um, I think it was a AMA with Andy Hull 
and he's they asked him about this song and he said that the song he initially called joked about calling the song this sound songs like nirvana and i don't give a shit yeah fair and he also described the album um referring back to what you were saying about weezer he described the album saying that this is like pinkerton on steroids i think he said well yeah, yeah i fair. read that one yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah which makes which makes sense that considering makes what sense. we were saying i was struggling to get it personally because of the themes of this album against um you know pinkerton or just weezer in general um they don't they don't quite hit that same serious note i think yeah um, yeah but uh, influences uh yeah yeah exactly but the nirvana thing is is uh you know sure and true mm-hmm. you know loud quiet yep. um the the similar chord structures are kind yeah, of happy but fuzzy yeah, exactly yeah. exactly so i'm not going to argue with that at all i couldn't place the when i when I at this stage in the album, I do try and come in every week with kind of minimal research when I listen to it the first time. And when I listened to this, I couldn't place the year that it was recorded. I thought, and then when I was actually kind of shocked to find out that it was 2009, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I thought it was older. I thought it the sounded- The album in general. Yeah. Yeah. I thought I, it sounded quite, it's not that it was timeless. I mean, some people probably argue it is, but I thought it sounded older than 2009. Yeah. I mean, there is like a consistent kind of resurgence happening. So yeah, it it could sit in the 90s. It could sit in yesterday. It could sit in next year, I think. I mean, old guy who was the producer, Joe Ciccirelli. Mm-hmm. Ch- Ciccirelli. Shout out, with. yeah, Joe Ciccirelli or Ciccirelli. If we apologize if it's we gonna mispronounce be, that. It's going to be Ciccirelli, I think. Um, he didn't have, he didn't seem to have that heritage during the 80s and 90s of that. He didn't like tap into that grunge thing, at least the, the credits that I saw. I mean, he's got some wild. Uh, he's got some wild credits. Uh, Frank Zappa. He's yeah, a got, lot of Zappa stuff. Yeah, and and some great soundtracks. He's got like yeah. Fast Times at Ridgemont High and uh, Saturday Night Fever. Amazing, really? Under, yeah, under under his under, wow. And Winsting the Night Away by Shins. Uh, uh, by the Shins. Well, yeah, favorite I mean, album yeah. Right? There is stuff there. There's the Shins and My Morning Jacket and mm-hmm. uh, the white. You know, Jack Jack White stuff. And yeah, the white and the Raconteurs and, as yeah. well. The Icky Thump. Yeah, all all around 2007 as well. That was a big year for him. Yeah. But but nothing that, that delves right into the things that you're talking about, Charlie, of, of you know, again, getting into that 90s thing. Um, because it, it, this is this is a, uh, has a lot of grunge elements to it, but there's a bit more, there's, there's other things in there. Mm-hmm. Like, is it, yeah. is it, you know, it's a bit more emo than that. And, and it, it has that Southern thing, which, which you wouldn't necessarily associate with grunge. You'd, you'd be thinking that's more of a Northern yeah, for, yeah, States yeah. thing. You'd be Whereas, thinking Kings of Leon and yeah, that kind ex- of. Exactly, yeah, exactly. And I mean, they, again, they, they, um, they address some of that. They, they talk about some of the guys from Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, he's Andy Hull says that. Or Andre the, 3000. Andre. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, no. He, he talks a lot about hip hop actually. Yeah. I mean, um, Atlanta's and, a. Yeah. He does talk a lot about, um, uh, about hip hop, he, he, in the Amoeba video where they're going through their records, he he pulls out um, an Outcast album anyway. So nice, um, and it, I think he takes a lot of inspiration from the way that um, hip hop artists write. Mm. And, and although you might not pick up on that, it's uh, it's something that he uses um, in the way that he writes the songs. Interesting. Mm. Mm. Um, I'm going to kind of try and tackle the first line. I think it's a. I, what I read was that Andy purposely has never said what this means i think he's kept mm. it purposely elusive because it can be perceived as with racial connotations and certain things but it said the first line is i felt a black man in my teeth and i was trying to pick it apart trying to figure it out and i ended up on um i think it was a reddit forum and 
there was an interesting theory that I found from one of the users that suggested the black man would reference a priest. Priests generally dress in all black and whether it symbolizes kind of channeling a priest or challenging the priest, it's unclear, but it might reflect the annoyance of having something stuck in your teeth, being the priest and being God and being religion. So that was the best interpretation I could get of it. I doubt Andy's coming out and going straight in with a kind of such a racially provocative line like that mm. without having, again, that double deep meaning. And he, um, Andy Hull did say he will never tell. And so we'll probably never know. But that was the best I could find. I guess you'll never know. The song again goes into a, a lot of youthful reflection, I think, like with the um, Jesus is coming, better act our age and clean everything. It's a, yeah, the, the, there's, the clean theme again. And, I mean, it could be seen that those lyrics could be seen as like a, how people can be quite hypocritical within faith. And I think, and, and, um, and balancing this idea of um, needing, needing, um, needing something, needing, needing something from God, but then also acting like you don't, you don't need it. And mm -hmm. Um, even that, that line so that we can see that we never really needed it anyway. Yeah. Like there's such wild lines expecting, um, your savior to come down, but then also like mm. acting, I, I, it's just a, it's a wild vision. I think. Yeah. For me, that breaks faith in that, like having stepped away from faith, you realize outside of the staunch upbringing you had that we didn't actually need all of that anyway. Life yeah. is much better if you live it in the moment and like. John spoke a theory straight into my brain. God damn, did you mean to do that to me? All of those lines, like John is again, the most elusive name in the world because it's very biblical, but also could be his mate John or whatever. It's like, he's consistently leaving us on the, on the knife edge with it. Yeah. Uh, just, yeah. I, there's, there's so much in this song that, that with, with hypocrisy or, or threat or um, like the Jesus don't come around unless we pray each day for 500 days. Mm -hmm. There might be so many biblical references in there that would fly over my head anyway, but but some of the some of the way that Andy Hull approaches the lyrics to these songs does um, seem like he he might be putting on a character. Like I wrote at the top there, is 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 this a character? The black man in my teeth is what he's saying. Is is he is he now adopting a character? This this as a character? Yeah, they don't have to be conversations with Andy and his faith. They could be um, a bunch of different things like that and so like the chorus going back to the never really need, needed anyway mm. like that is like oh did i really need faith anyway and then he says in this in the double chorus at the end the bottom's gonna bury us anyway like as a potential reference to hell being the bottom and heaven being the top it's like we might all be going to hell anyway yeah because he might have sinned in life and realizes that he might have just wasted it now so i'm going to hell anyway i might as well do what i can to stay awake i.e stay alive in this middle ground that's at least something he can control right and the song's got a bloody good bass line. And the song's Carl, play the next track. <laughs> right then. Um, yeah, let's move on. Um, this is track six, $100. That was track six, $100. You don't have a hundred dollars, do you? I don't actually, neither does he. <laughs> um, it's an interesting break in tempo. This kind of, to me, signifies the middle point. Like, it's yeah. right in the middle. Well, it does. I it does. Think about it like that. Yeah, but they end side one because uh, we've we've got it yeah. here on record, haven't we? Um, and um, they end this with that, and it does feel like that. And it's good that you said that because um, Andy makes a really fine point of. They they want to be an album band. Mm -hmm. um, 
they they talk about Built to Spill, the band Built to Spill, as being an album band and embracing um, the album format. And also they say an amazing thing about Neil Young, about when CDs came around with Neil Young. Neil Young stopped making albums at whatever length an LP is and started making them at 80 minutes instead. What because like that's what you've got to work with. So that's your format. Yeah, yeah. And they, and they do that. So I think that um, this has been slammed in there because it's an... It's a, it's a side closer. It's side, it closes side. Yeah, one. yeah. And it works. Um, did anyone manage to root out the meaning for this one? Yeah. Mm, yes, I did. From what I've read, it seems like it was he had come out of his parents' house and his dad had given him, given him $100 and he lost it between the house and the car. That's it. Yeah. It's, um, and he lost <laughs> it. And, and, lo- and he lost it. And I, he I lost found it. the same thing. And, that- and his wife, right, was the, the, the female vocal in the track is his wife. You know, no, it can be as well. No, not, not, not actually. Oh, but like in the story, I think it's actually his mum. Oh. Well, in hang real, on. or oh. his sister. Hang on, it's a hull. No, I'm not talking in real life. I'm talking this part. Who it represents? Yeah, oh, it I, represents. See. <laughs> I see. I get that. I, I read in a in a live session with Spin Magazine. He says this is a song about the first time that I blew up in front of his new in front of my new wife Amy after losing a hundred dollar bill that my father had just given me. So, blob on Charlie boy. Blob on Charlie Boy. Blob on Charlie. Never heard that one before. Jeepers. This does contain my favorite long, um, favorite line in the entire album. And I offered you a small dog in the kitchen. He's so, going nuts, and it's gone. Just have that dog in mind. I, mean, I want to figure myself out. Well, it could be a hot dog. Oh dog. No. Oh yeah. Or want a chip of It could be even smaller. I mean, define small. Well, exactly. Actually, I watched a live video with him yesterday, and He's it was a funny just guy, man. he said it was just the two of them, and he said, "This is my favorite song about a dog." <laughs> <laughs> Clever. Yeah, it's a good, it's a good song. It's a good. It has a place in the album for being a, a transitional song. I think it has a place, and they do play this. They play this a lot live. Mm. I think it's like it's a, a real easy one for for a crowd to to latch onto, isn't it? Big big crowd shout song as well. Yeah, gives everyone yeah. a chance to have a sip of the beer as well yeah. as not Andy. So it yeah. probably serves but, the same purpose live as it does on the yeah. album. A bit of a reset. You could probably play it into the like a new year at a new year party instead you, of bloody the Proclaimers, probably. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fine. <laughs> oh, but yeah, but I'm. I mean, is that what you meant by a little sing along? Well, yeah, it can be that if you want. But the the I am fine. The I am fine. I am fine. I am fine. I am fine. I like that stressing of of that point. It's like, yeah, mate, yeah, mate, are you sure. It's like, yeah, no. It's like his missus is going to him. You're right. You're like, yeah. calm down. It's only a hundred dollars. He's yeah. like, I'm fine. I yeah. just need me one. Yeah, I just I just need me one. <laughs> um, reference point um, comes up a lot. Neutral Milk Hotel. Yeah, the absolute soft boy um, album of all time. Um, but it does sound like the second track, The King of uh, Carrot Flowers. So it's, um, that's in there. That's in there. But um, For everyone listening, we do make a playlist every week with all of the referenced songs in the episode that you can go listen to. We'll, we'll link to it. That's Chris's department. He is the curator. Creative director. That's me. What am I? What am I? You're the um, fact of the week guy. Oh, yeah. Any facts? I suppose you that's right. Well, yeah, we, ha- we haven't had one yet. On no, subject? you're going to get one. Give me time. We're going to get one. Everyone, we'll get to the, it. The, it's like watching, um, like, I don't know, one of those, like the X Factor or something. And you know that the audition everyone wants to watch is coming up and they're only watching the whole program for that. Everyone tuning in is waiting for my fact of the week and then they'll turn the podcast It's an amazing analogy, man. <laughs> I'm not going to lie, you got me on the ropes there. Yeah, I'm not um, going to address that one. Well, whilst you, uh, whilst, you, whilst you get your facts in order, let's listen to track seven. This is uh, I Can Feel a Hot One. I took you like a grown man crying on the pavement Hoping you would show your face well, I haven't heard a thing you said 
Track seven, I can feel a hot one. Me, I'm sobbing. I'm sobbing my eyes out. Me, I'm sobbing. It's a bloody beautiful song, that girl. This is this is everyone doing their own Scouse accent. So. <laughs> Your one's really spot on. Yeah, we'll let you know. Yeah, you do a good one. We'll let you know. Um, yeah, so that was I Can Feel a Hot One, what I would say to be my favorite on the album. It made just in- impossible. Good call, Such you emotion. soppy bastard. Mm. Really good. Mm. You know, I, I, I could pick two songs from this album as a favorite, one that's heavy and one that's not because there's a few of each, but yeah, amazing. Shows a nice gentle side to them after all the aggression leading up to this point. So this open side two, essentially, is what's happening. Yeah, mm. this open side two in a, in a nice way. Um, this is just after you've had your little ice cream and, you know, in Yeah, the exactly, in the interval, yeah. You've got, <laughs> got out and get topped up your popcorn. No ice cream on this one. Yeah, going to dealt with your weak prostrate. Um, <laughs> so what's really nice about this song, though, is that there is a legitimate... Yeah, well, yeah. We have, a, we have an actual lyrical breakdown from yeah. Andy himself, so interpretations are left at the door for this that's, one. That's and here nice he is. One. And <laughs> here he is himself. Andy, welcome to the show. Hello. How's it going, lad? <laughs> um, worth mentioning that this song was originally on the EP Let My Pride Be What's Left Behind, which was released a year before this one. Same version? Uh, no. Different, but um, only slightly. But yeah, beautiful, man. Um, I mean, this, let's, what? No, just, just it just made one, me laugh as well. One only slightly. Yeah, I was thinking like, <laughs> literally like it's a second longer or something or like. Yeah, no, it is. Yeah, yeah. Basically, he's. Um, like they, le- they left the coffin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's a, it's a play. You hear the, the driver go, fuck. Let me. <laughs> oh, geez. Got me on that one. Yeah. Carl, wow. Carl Lewis got me on that one. <laughs> Um, um, what's the what's the what's the, the gist of the song then? If you want to if you want to sum it up, then Carl. General gist moves in a couple of direct. It's like two stories in one. Most of it is about him coming back from tour and about reintegrating himself into home life. Um, verse one, you've got the I could feel a hot one taking me down for a moment. I could feel the force, which describes a panic attack that he had when he came back from tour and realized that his schedule is so different. The 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 way in which he has to live his life is so different. Um, into verse three, where he says, I remember head down after you had found out that manner is a hell of a drug. I need a little more, I think, because enough is never quite enough. And this is interesting. This is a biblical reference. And Andy Hall, in his own words, I'll, I'll quote him to keep it transparent. He says, it's tough sometimes as a human being to know when you have enough because we always want more. In the Old Testament, the Jewish people would receive what they needed from God. And it was often explained in the form of a fruit called manna. Sometimes though, when you ask for it, it's more than you bargained for. See, God told them to take just as much as they needed and nothing more. Any excess they, would, they took would rot by the morning. So there was no point in ever overdoing it. That left people wondering, how much do we actually need? I always thought I wanted it all. This was really spawned from the Pedro the Lion song, Simple Economics, with the line, power can be such a tease. You're always wanting more. It's good to know that just like sex, it can be paid for, which is an awesome line. Amazing. I'll bring up some uh, David Bazan in a minute. Yeah, uh, late, later on in, okay. in in another song, but uh, David Bazan from Pedro the Lion is a is a huge one on him. Nice, and then um, he goes into talking to God for a brief time, where he's talking about the the fact that the allure of the manor had had taken him and kind of made him unsure of what he needs and not necessarily and confused with what he wants. And then the bridge gets super powerful, where he talks about a dream where he was driving down the road with his then the time girlfriend but actually future wife. And they were sideswiped in, in a crash and she's dying on the floor and he's 
there in front of her and she's bleeding, she's about to die. And he prays to God. And instead of saving her, God lets him hear the voice of his baby daughter inside his wife. And at that point, he realizes that she's going to live on through the baby. And he says, he finishes with the line, and I felt love again, which is just so powerful, man. It's great. It's amazing. I mean, amazing. nice light subject. Pass the tissues out for that one, yeah. Man, he, um, car crashes. Have you ever seen the film Crash? No. Is there a car crash in it? There's, I've not seen it. I think it famously won like an Oscar Ooh. or something for um, being a really bad, it famously won an Oscar because it was really bad and, and beat a load of um, other films to the Oscar or something. Uh, but it's about people that um, I think have a fetish for car crashes. Now, the reason I'm saying oh my this, word. the reason I'm saying this is because car crashes come up a lot with Andy Hull and Manchester Orchestra mm. uh, and the things um, that he, he does. Like, there's videos of car crashes later on in Manchester Orchestra's um, oeuvre. Said that word. Nice. Um, it comes up in in other lyrics. I'm sure. I'm sure. So it's a it's a it's a real recurring theme. There are themes in Manchester Orchestra, and one of them just happens to be car crashes. Car crashes. Yeah. He, he has a and, lot of dreams about um, mm-hmm. like all of his a lot of his songs. Sorry, are about dreams that he has. Mm. So maybe he just dreams about car maybe, crashes. Well, that's I bet that's a that's probably a dream trope. It's probably like pulling your teeth out or something. It's probably the same thing. Yeah. To um to potentially lighten the mood a little bit, me and Chris watched uh, Blues Brothers the other night, um, and Chris managed to find a good fact that Blues Brothers has the the filming the making of that film managed to ruin the most cars in any movie ever. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> apart, that's amazing. Apart from the second Blues Brothers film, which beat it by one, mm. which is something that Chris mm. found. Which that's brilliant. Happen. Yeah, that uh, that whole production went off the rails. Apparently, uh, you know, in, in terms of costs, and as we as we would have guessed as we guessed while we were watching yeah because it. they literally just like just you've got the cars you've got carrie fisher literally firing rockets at buildings for 90 yeah. percent of the film yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, um do you know what? i'll just i'll talk about david bazan now or else i might forget later on anyway and it's tied to uh the car crash thing because there's an amazing song uh at the end of an album by david bazan when he's going under the name headphones and i might even bring that album in one day uh, because it's one of my favorite albums. N- not a lot of people know about that that album that might already know who David Bazan is. Um, and it's called Slow Car Crash. Mm. And it's a su- it's such a beautiful song. Um, so there's that. But also, um, more importantly than that, is uh, what Andy Hull took from a podcast interview of David Bazan, which I thought was an amazing way to look at his songwriting. So David Bazan and Andy Hull share the fact that that they address their faith um, within their songwriting. David Bazan has famously, for those people who know who David Bazan is, has shed his uh, his faith and is now atheist or agnostic or where, wherever he wherever he lands. Um, but he said that when he was revisiting writing with Pedro the Lion, which is the band that he leads. Um, he realized that um, there were these genius songwriting moments that he could never repeat again because he was dealing with those parts of his faith, mm-hmm. whether that be transitional or not, because he did transition out of it. He said the, the most beauty comes from when, when your subconscious is allowed to write almost unhindered, I guess. And that's what um, Andy Hull really respected in the way that um, Bazan writes. Respected it so much that actually th- that whole podcast, the end of that podcast, is actually somewhere buried within the latest Manchester Orchestra album, which I found out as well during during this podcast that I 
heard Andy Hull talking about. What he was saying is when, you, when you're not aware of what you're doing and you're unaware of what you're aiming for, your subconscious is allowed to be the smartest. And I think that is a really interesting way to look at the way that people that are dealing with faith and crises in faith, which, you know, some of this addresses. Yeah, yeah. It certainly, it certainly makes for an interesting topic and an interesting way to approach songwriting. Final similar um, topic, it was featured on the, uh, on the American show Gossip Girl. It was actually, XO, yeah, I did XO, see that. Yeah, which yeah. I can't imagine where it arrives, but I mean, I'm not a big gossip head. No, it's, I. It's in, XO, apparently, XO. when I was reading about that, it was in, when I was watching every single episode for the last 10 years of my life, um, <laughs> <laughs> it was um, in a point where they'd all broken up with their partners or something, and that was what was played. I assume the last verse, because that's where it all gets juicy in it. Anyway, let's move on to track eight, which is called My Friend Marcus. Father touched more than spirit. Now he can hardly sleep. That was track eight, my friend Marcus. May I start this one? Go on, Charlie boy. So I was there with my little notebook and my pencil, and this was one of those moments where I like snapped my pencil. Because I out of kind of What in aggression? Out of frustration, I think. (laughs) But then I thought about it and I didn't really get what was going on in this tune. I'm going to level with you. Like I was listening to it and I was just like, I can't pull this one apart without researching what it's about at all. Mm-hmm. I just couldn't get it. And then it made me think this is one of those tunes that, you know, when you're younger and you listen to a song and certainly when I was growing up, a lot of the songs would just give me a certain feeling. It's not that I knew what the lyrics were talking about. There's some songs I listen back to now and I'm like, that's heavy for a 12 year old oh, sure. to be listening to mm. and loving it and singing the words back. And I had no idea what those lyrics meant. And I couldn't help but think in this one that this might be the case for some of this album for people. And certainly it reflected it in the YouTube comments on this on this tune. A mm-hmm. lot of people were like, oh man, this makes me feel this way. Or like, God, I remember putting this tune on just feeling so good. I'd be going out and like... It's crazy because it's so heavy and so dark yeah. in its theme and touches on one of the heaviest subjects on the album with, the, um, with verse one, I think it is, which is my friend Marcus sleeps in the basement and his father touched more than spirit and he can hardly sleep which is, I mean, pretty point blank about molestation mm. or um, about being abused by a parent. Um, and then, but then just start to challenge religion saying, um, I think you should go home, son, and find a father in your meaning, whether that's a father as in the father that abused him or a father in church, and maybe church can save you from what's happened. It. So many deep, deep themes, man. It's whether it's about Andy or somebody knows or, or not, I don't know. But again, possibly the darkest song on the album for me, this one. Yeah, I guess it, it could either be, it could be that, that, that he's talking about another person, but, and I certainly, somewhere I'd read about this song, um, I think it was addressed by Andy Hull, that, that actually Marcus was his, um, an imaginary friend of his invention when he, was, um, when he was younger. So when you frame it like that, when you're looking at it, not from the perspective that you're singing about another person, but actually you're singing about the other part of yourself or something that you might be, uh, repressing so my friend Marcus he sleeps in my basement that could be uh, you suppressing your thoughts and that angle spin puts a really different spin on things I think mm-hmm. another uh, another kind of use of his double meaning left open kind of thing yeah yeah I think so and there's, there's some great lines anyway there's some great metaphorical lines in there or you know when he's doing some com- com- comparison things <laughs> you, can never, you can keep that one in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're welcome, everyone. I was doing my train impression. I think you got a few of these in there. I was doing my fucking train impression right now. Give me a break. So, my one friend more time. Marcus, he works in a train set. That's why I was doing it. 
and still <laughs> I still can't move on my broke track. So this idea of two different uh, parts of you, one part moving on, one part remaining stationary, um, is is that's a, a good that's a good uh, good bit of research. That makes sense. Uh, well, I, again, who the hell knows? But yeah, no, I, mean, I like that. Who the heck knows? Sorry. Uh, my line from this one is, I don't give a good shit if you're lonesome, because that one just yeah. hooks her. I, <laughs> yeah. Such a cool line. Such yeah, a cool it's line. pretty brutal if, if the situation is <laughs> well, yeah. what I initially yeah. expected. Yeah. 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 Shall we go on to a song about cereal? Let's do it. Cool, this is track nine, Tony the Tiger. Track nine, Tony the Tiger. Uh, copyright, great. copyright, Kellogg's. Yeah. <laughs> do you know why it might be? Do you know why it's called Tony the Tiger? Uh, I do actually. Yeah. Go on then. No, you, you go for well, this. No, so, no, no. On. I think. You, what if? What if it's different? And you go. Okay. Well, what I was originally in the studio, what I what I read to be true is that the baseline at the outro sounds like or, or can easily be remembered by someone saying Tony the Tiger. Tony oh. the Tiger. Did you not find that? No. Wow. So, well, let me quote no, I did, it. No, I did ask. Did I you? Couldn't, yeah, I can think of a story on the fly. I was, I was, <laughs> you were going to go for it. No, actually. Well, you know, uh, Mandy Hall had an obsession with uh, <laughs> that, <laughs> Kellogg's Cornflakes. Kellogg's Frosties. Or Frosties, actually. Or Frosted Flakes, as they are in the US. <laughs> Shout out to the uh, shop that we went to in America that does cereal milk flavored ice cream. It's called Milk. Oh, yeah. Do you remember man. tasting that? Oh, my God. That was life changing. Delicious, yeah. It's good, anyway. They cottoned onto it over in the restaurants and started making cereal milk everything. Cereal milk panna Cereal milk steaks. And steaks, yeah. So I'll surprise you both now and tell you, as the longest serving member of the Manchester Orchestra Club out of all three of us, this is my favourite song on the album. Show off. That's yeah. a shocker. I really? know, it's not, yeah, no it is. I, I don't know where it came from, but I, th I think it's made by the ending of this song. Do you know what kills me? If, I'm just going to get the number, I think, I think 15 is the number that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use. They've only played this song live 15 times. This is like way... They, they hardly ever played this song live. Hey. They, they played this 13 times on the uh, Mean Everything to Nothing tour when it was like the anniversary Bro, you're tour. stepping on my toes here. Oh, for... F no, no, I'm, I haven't got this fact, but you can't be just <laughs> busting useless, boring facts out without my permission. But that's a fact that really affects me. Apologise oh. to Charlie. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Charlie. And sorry, lovely audience who can't wait for my facts. <laughs> sorry, Ben. <laughs> do you want to do? Do you want to do your fact? Is it, have you got a fact now? No, I haven't got a fact. No, now, you're, just, then, you're just in his zone. But you really need to start bringing facts for every song. Uh, <laughs> no. Oh, Tony the Tiger again. We've done that one. Great. <laughs> I was a pirate. You know? <laughs> Only one remember Pop Up Pirate. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. man. Oh, don't say that. No, I've got oh shit! That's... <laughs> I've got to buy that for next. Oh, Stay yeah, tuned we... for next week. Yeah. When we feature is... Pop Up you Pirate. Have, you haven't put Stretch down since we started. I love him. Why is his head a completely different color to his body? Mm. Any 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 useless facts about that? Uh, sunbeds in that. Sunbeds in that. Yeah. He was sunbeds a he that. was a balaclava on the sunbed. Um, <laughs> <laughs> now the good the good news about this song is it sounds like it's it's a heavy song, doesn't it? Yeah, it How does, is that it does... the good news about it? No, no, no. <laughs> because it no, might so, not no, be. Sorry, that's not the end of my my. Uh, well, you start jumping fact. on Chris's stuff, <laughs> Charlie. It um, sounds like it's about abortion. It does sound like it's about abortion, and um, it's been addressed by Andy Hull and said it, it isn't, but he could see why people would think that. Because, yes, it does sound like, you know, there are, if you, if you, if you, um, you know. Didn't think you would actually those, do it? Yeah, yeah. I, if you pull all those words out, um, and uh, and assign it to that, then it certainly does. So it's it's actually quite nice. It's it's, only, it's apparently about a difficult uh, drive. Yeah, mm. difficult drive home. Yeah, apparently. Um, I'll I'll take that. Just wanted to bring up now that um, 
isn't it funny that for an album that's full of really great musicality that we've spent so much time talking about lyrics yeah. and meanings. Yeah. It's doing my head in. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I mean, it's such a deep album and it's like, it's hard to not get lost in trying to pick that apart. Yeah. But I mean, musically it is, it is so amazing. It's still and brilliant. Yeah. It Ridiculous. is. Well, musically, this is where I pinned your, the Weezer reference. If, if you're going to get some uh, Pinkerton era Weezer in there, mm-hmm. um, there's Get You on, on, on Pinkerton. That's if I'm shoehorning it into there. But this actually reminded me more of Modest Mouse. Um, Modest Mouse comes up a lot in discussion about influence mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And um, stuff on the album, Good News for People Who Love Bad News, that's, that's in there for me. Especially the bass. The, ba- the bass is my favourite part of this. The bass and the ending. The way, the way the bass is played over the ending particularly, but... I don't know. There's something there's something really fun about this song that I just like, and I'd yeah. I'd love to have heard it live, but it's it's such a rarity. Yeah, I think I, I think it was this song, and, and correct me anyone if I'm wrong, but I think the first time he played this was on a solo tour, just him and his acoustic. Oh, okay. And I think that's where well, that was the first time he played it um, as a as a Manchester Orchestra song. Or just in, yeah, just as in in general. Right. I okay. think it was like it hadn't been played, and then he took. Oh, I see. Okay. Charlie's got a smile on his face like he's got a fact. Or he, I haven't. Or he's I'm just angry that fact. you guys are trying to step on my toes. <laughs> toes are not going to be stepped on, Charlie. Not in this room. Not in my house. Not in my house. <laughs> um, yeah, so with all of that being said, let's jump on to track 10, which is kind of the title track to the album, which is Everything to Nothing. Track 10, Everything to Nothing. Yeah. Yeah. This will surprise you. This was my favorite track. Was it? On the album. Get on. It's pretty amazing it is. Can I tell you why? Go on. It, um, is it the longest track on the album? <laughs> no. <laughs> Not far off, though. Is it, is it five minutes? Was it five minutes 13? 13, there was yeah. a, no, there was a 5.11 on here. Um, <laughs> oh, God, and I was like, ah. <laughs> um, it, it was musically. I just, like that intro going into that, like, it felt like the guitar kind of skips. Yeah, it's like lazy. It just, yeah, it just, it, it felt like it had so much energy and it just, it was so youthful to me. And I think you said it last week, Carl, when you're talking about nostalgia as being kind of like a, a kind of happy, sad feeling. And that's what it gave me. I felt like, oh, free and youthful. And uh, the lyrics didn't draw me in too much on this mm-hmm. one, which was kind of a relief. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Like the rest, the Some respite the from the chaos. The respite. But um, I just loved it. I thought it was such a good tune. Um, on to meaning though I mean I don't know if you guys read much about this but all I could really find was that it was um, possibly well it was a note from his grandfather right that he obviously that's in the lyrics yeah but um, it was Andy perhaps getting back in touch with God mm-hmm. that's that's kind of what I drew as well yeah yeah but this is why this is why it surprises me that this entire album isn't a, a concept because when we get around to this end of the album there's almost like the rediscovery. There's lots of questions at the beginning of the, the album, and then he's getting back in touch with God. Yeah, it's it really surprised me that it's not um, the whole theme of the album. Well, the the you mean everything to nothing, and that whole recurring theme, which because this is obviously um, a reprisal of uh, my friend Marcus in terms of well, my friend Marcus reprises the you yeah, mean everything yeah, to nothing line yeah. in this song, and so. I couldn't really pick apart the you mean everything to nothing. It's like, for me, I thought like, if I was to say to someone you love, you mean everything to me. Mm. It's like, 
that means that like that person means everything to at least me. To say you mean everything to nothing means that you don't mean anything to anyone, almost, yeah. is, is how I unpicked it. But that it is so vague, classic Andy Hall, open to mm. what you think. But well, yeah. look, put a pin in that for a sec, mm-hmm. um, because there's two different points there that you just brought up that I wanted to talk about anyway. Uh, the first one is um, the songwriting process in that, especially in this album anyway, um, there are moments where songs share lyrics or or allude to other lyrics um, across the the um, space of this entire album. So that is one of them. So my friend Marcus, it does say, does say you mean everything to nothing. Uh, and then this is obviously, every, this song is everything to nothing. Um, that is a, a way that Andy does write, Andy Hull does write. Mm-hmm. Um, often uses the like the spark of a song to lead into the next song mm-hmm. and that seems apparent there noticed it as well when you've got um you've got shake it out and the way at the start of that song he's talking about you know obviously shake it out shake it out then when you get to i can feel a hot one when he's saying i'm uh shaking it out on the uh in the front seat i think mm-hmm. is what the lyrics are so again that's probably why I'm going, oh, this must be a concept album because, oh, there's the there's that thing again. Yeah. Um, but I think that's just the way that he he likes to write. He's inspired by his own music as he's writing Sometimes, kind of or, thing. Yeah, or like that's that might just be a catalyst for, you know, instead of going, okay, I could pick from everything instead of that, why don't I, this thing here really resonated or, or that's like a hangover from that song. So how can I fashion this into a new song? Yeah, like a, like a method actor might permanently when they're doing a role live in the character and act right. like the character 24 hours a day yeah. when he's writing an album maybe he personifies and embodies the album so that every time he comes to write he's in that zone yeah which is maybe yeah. why there's they recur and, and call back on each yeah. other now second point everything to nothing the the phrase mean everything to nothing because i couldn't work out if that is um positive or negative it sounds really negative that's not negative like carl broke it down it does i can't yeah. see it now Mm-hmm. Any other in, way? Now, in an article, in you, re- title, you read my, my favorite, my, the favorite title of, of all the articles that have ever existed on the internet. Uh, it's called Manchester Orchestra, Swiss Army Man, and How to Score a Film with a Farting Corpse. That's what the, the name <laughs> of the, the musical because the musical. On, <laughs> oh, <on> nice! Ice. <laughs> <laughs> I feel it. <laughs> I need to see that in the cinemas when, when everything opens up again. Um, no, Swiss Army Man is a film that is is scored by. Um, Andy Hull and I keep wanting to call, call him Roddy McDowell, but it's Robert McDowell. Um, and and it's a weird thing to want to I call him. No, no, Roddy. I think Roddy Roddy McDowell sounds right to me. Um, but they scored that film, and it is about Daniel Radcliffe's character, who is a Swiss Army man. Who at one point they do ride him over the ocean, powered by the farts of his corpse. That's a true thing. The people that directed that film also directed the video for Simple Math, which came on the, the, the album of the same name later on. Solid. Yeah. But the important, so that's not even the important. Oh, no, right. That's just me going off on that some was the, yeah, right. That's me riding around Daniel Radcliffe's corpse in the lake. And I've just done, done a little U town. I'm coming back. I'm yeah. just coming back. Actual of the week, Daniel Radcliffe. <laughs> oh, we can lay into Daniel Radcliffe now instead of I'll, I'll go. I mean, he is, as Kristen Stewart is just Twilight, he is pretty much just Harry Potter. He really is. He really is. Daniel, if you're listening. Dan, if you're out there. Give Um, us something else. Okay, let me just, um, I'm going to have to read this. So um, he said that, it's it's funny because they, they, the reason why it's talked about at this point 
is because um, they're asked, or Andy Hull is asked about, um, uh, or he sings in that song, Everything Everywhere Matters to Everything. Everything, let me just say that out loud again. Everything Everywhere Matters to Everything. So that's almost the opposite of mean everything to nothing. But what he was, so, so he was asked about that and he was saying with phrases like that, what I meant that there's never uh, meant to mean anything to one particular thing. Uh, don't have all your meaning wrapped up in one thing. Mean everything to no thing. That's that's the way it's, I mean, it, nothing and no thing are two different words, but that's how it was unpacked with him. So I reckon we should go on to the next song that yeah. is um, also laced in religion. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is possibly the most religious, um, the religious song on the album. So Chris, I will take you to the river, yeah. Please. Charlie, give us a go with that. Come on, get that stretch out. Let's have a pull on it. Here you go, mate. Have a go on that. Don't break it. it. I'll be furious if you break it. I mean, he, he, he's apparently... He's stronger than I remember. He's putting in the oven or something. He's rock hard. Jeepers. He's rock hard. Um, I'm going to need some kind of theme tune going on for my uh, useless facts of the day. Is so this the time? Up, are we here? We're here, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. I know it's been a long slog to get here. Oh you've got, God. You've waded through a lot. And here we go. River. This tune is the longest... Tune on the album. Oh, is that the actual fact? You're again. Like, what everyone's been Fucking wanting to. If they expect the same fact every week, they're not going. That's going to make you redundant. No, it won't. Okay. Five fifty nine. Five fifty nine. Yep. You get two and a half good pop songs in that. Two and a half. Good. Good one, my yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, go on there. Whilst whilst we're in fact zone, what an anti. I, I have a fact that I don't think either of you might have found because this oh. I found this in the bowels of the internet. <laughs> the dark web the dark web yeah www.darkweb.dark um so did you know that the band covered the entire of michael jackson's thriller album no no yeah they did between 2010 and 2015 direct quote from andy hull we covered the entire album thriller note for note from 2010 to 2015 it was one of the most challenging and stretching experiences we ever had once we did that over the course of five years we realized that no cover was out of bounds we have a great cover of Future of the Left. You need Satan more than so the Future of the Left song. You need Satan more than he needs you. That I would love to peek its head out one day. Whether he's taking the piss out of us and man, that's a joke. I don't know, but that's a quote from Mad Thought, the man himself. So could you imagine a Manchester Orchestra version of Thriller? I mean, I you know, there's probably an audience for it. Yeah, I'd, I'd listen to it. I might listen to it once. Yeah, <laughs> they've, they've gone through a lot of covers in their time, apparently. Yeah, well. Yeah. Thriller is one of them. Um, but anyway, yeah, track 11, The River. I thought so, this sounded a bit like a musical. This, this song. song. Mm. Interesting. Are we going to talk in tandem? Are we going to start finishing each other's this sentences? Thank you. <laughs> oh, jeepers. Um, yeah, I thought, just thought it sounded kind of musical. Like a musical. If I'm going to imagine them on stage now, I can, you know, it's got that climax at the end, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. I just, yeah, you know, like the dynamics of it, the way it flows. Yeah, you, I, I could see that. You know, hey, the, what's the musical about? It's probably addiction or... Oh, God. <laughs> it's going to have to be, isn't it? Yeah, God The crushes. whole album would make more sense if there was a bunch of people on stage acting it out so we could get some some relevance to it. But this is another... I mean, this is probably the most... Um, the song on the album with the most religious, directly religious connotations. Like, um, I mean, 
Oh God, I need it. Let me sing again. Take me to the river. Shout out to Al Green, Reverend Al Green. And let me see again. And kind of a lot of religious references. Did anyone notice or did anyone find, because I didn't notice this, but I'd found um, the direct quote from the gospel song, Thou yeah. Fount of Every Blessing. Mm, I did. I Let's did go for an explanation. Well, it's, the, it. it's the grace taught a debtor daily I'm strained to be. God, how I feel it. Fetter pride to your feet. And mm-hmm. there's, there's uh, so that's an edited or a... Um, a different version of, of the lyrics. That are, what's the name of the song, sorry? Thou Font of Every I Blessing. I didn't write it down. It's a gospel song. Yeah. Um, and I think what's happened there were, were, were with Andy's um, version, the, the new lyrics, is that it's framed from um, his point of view and maybe a little bit more of struggle rather than of grace. Um, but, um, you know, if you're going to have, if, you, if you're going to struggle through Manchester Orchestra lyrics, man, Go through some, go through some, some Bible quotes or some, um, yeah, uh, some traditional hymns or things like that because um, making sense of that is a is another another head scratcher. It's tough, um, but it's but it is a direct reference. I mean, mm-hmm. line for line, um, you know, some of it is um, addressed differently. One is uh, instead of bind my wandering heart to thee, which which um, sounds quite uh, safe and um, redemptive. Uh, the alternative that Andy Hull uh, sings is fetter pride to your feet, which is, you know, tie, tie pride to your feet, which is, uh, which sounds like the opposite, like mm-hmm. you're being, you're being dragged down rather than uh, lifted up, you know? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. But this is, this is the most overtly faith ridden uh, song. You yeah. Know, Sword in my side. It's that, it's that thorn in your side thing. It's, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's there all the way through. The, the, I did find a reference to that line, but it, it seemed like too much of a stretch to bring in, but I might... Um, too much of an Armstrong to bring that one in. Too much of a stretch, Armstrong, yeah. But again, it does brush the themes of loss of loss of faith, or at least distance from faith, where it's like the... Um, he gets... Throughout the song, he's trying to get closer to God and talking about how much he needs it and how much he wants to get himself closer to it. Yeah. And then at the end, he kind of says... I'm going to leave you the first chance I get, yeah. Yeah. which is almost like him being like, we've been here before. Uh-huh. I've been close to you. And then as soon as something better came along, I moved further away mm. and then come back. And so this is a recurring kind of coming and going relationship. Yeah. Uh, this feels, I feel most comfortable, like actually just going, looking at these and saying, well, actually look, that, that sounds like a prayer or that sounds like a, a cry for, uh, for some sort of um, sign from God. Quite comfortable saying, Oh, he's losing faith in God. Mm-hmm. And so, actually, f- for how difficult this album has been unpacking lyrically, it's actually quite nice to get one that's, that's sort of like, well, yes, that is. Yeah, that's yeah. What, that's, that's doused in religion. You it's know? not a bloody head bopper, though, is it, Derland? It's not. No. But I would want to be in a room where, um, where I hear the whole room shout, "Oh God, I need it!" You know. Yeah. Like, I, I, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I want to hear that one. I might have heard it. I've seen Manchester Orchestra before once, maybe twice. I was quite drunk one of the times um, and I remember them being too quiet. That's the t- two takeaways from it. Yeah. Um, I saw them in Bristol. Uh, if you're going to watch that band, it's got to be loud, doesn't it? Yeah, well, exactly. Uh, yeah. I mean, he talks about the way that his guitar's wired up. You know, his guitar, do you know anything about his guitar? No. His guitar's like, he takes, he's taken everything out of his guitar. So once you're in, you're in. There's no, there's no volumes. There's one pickup. There's, there's, that's it. Um, which is great. Oh. I mean, you haven't got to think about anything then. Yeah. Because he just, like, it, it's, it, he said it like, um, he took the uh, the volume output on that up like by twenty five percent. He's just after volume. He breaks amps all the time too. So. Mm. Has the guy got a tuner pedal? I think he doesn't even use. A t- he says he's got one one pedal. He uses. 
He's got like a blues breaker or something. The loud pedal. <laughs> yeah. Maybe he uses a holy grail. He uses a volume, oh. he uses a volume pedal, actually. That's what it does, yes. Oh, oh, sorry. I just missed the holy grail thing. Yeah, well, thanks. It's all right. Um, <laughs> yeah. And maybe he tunes his guitar with the uh, with the power of the Lord. So, you know, who knows? <laughs> okay. Okay. So, um, uh, we, we, I feel like we're going to brush over this one, but I, I actually really, really like this. I like this as an album closer. Now, um, one of the guys, um, I think it was Robert, I think, don't quote me on that, but I will quote someone on this. Um, he said that they do like to really like blast into and out of an album. So mm -hmm. track one and the final track um, are like your statements of intent, I guess. Now, this is the last track on the album, sort of, isn't it? Yeah. So it's a track 11 because there is the next track, uh, Jimmy He Whispers, mm -hmm. which ends this song or at least it's listed as it's, it's unlisted on the album yeah so so on on the spot if on the digital version of the album you have jimmy he whispers on the vinyl pressed version you have the river then a three minute gap mm. and then jimmy he whispers like a secret track yeah now the reason why i said that is because this is the most overtly uh religious you know textually this is the most overtly re religious song on the album and he's he, he, you know, if you're going to, okay, uh, so you, you said that this feels like a musical song, right? Yeah. If you're going to see that on stage, this is like a, this is, it almost is like a cry for help song, mm. right? Mm. This is like a, I need something, I need to be shown something. Show me the, the way or whatever, right? Take me to the river. Take me to the river, yeah. And then everyone comes out and they... Wash him down. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, the next song that isn't listed on the album liner notes but is digitally, but let's just imagine we, we're listening to it on a, you know, on a record like we have been. Um, the, what's amazing about track 12, Jimmy, he whispers is that this is God speaks in this song and God doesn't speak in the rest of the song. He's not given a voice in the, uh, in the rest of the album. So I like these two together in that the first part needs something. Second part, God arrives yeah, so all right, well let's let's push to Jimmy Whispers, which digitally is track twelve on the vinyl. It's a hidden track, and like Chris says, it's there's an addressing of God in this one. So maybe we'll get some answers. So Jimmy, I've heard the voice of God. He whispered, "Fear is logical," and he said, "It's magic." Oh, this is going to be pissing everyone off no, already, I can tell. No, no. Anyone who's got in the headphones on, it's just like... People love whispering. ASMR now. That's do you thing. ever do unnecessary whispering at home just for like... <laughs> Sorry, what? I, I sometimes find myself when I'm talking... Uh, people on the old other side of this, like, give me some love for this, yeah? You're at home, you might be with your partner and you've, you're both whispering and you literally have no idea what you're doing it. Me and, no. me, me and Chris are horrendously single. Watch, your, yeah. watch the hundreds of comments coming in going... John, yeah. I'm with you. I literally whisper every morning and I don't know why. <laughs> well, if anyone listening randomly and for no reason whispers in their house, um, 
drop us a message and let Charlie feel. I'm setting up a helpline for us. Uh, it will be available <laughs> at the end of the podcast. It's called Charlie. He whispers. <laughs> <laughs> I feel that. I feel that. Carl, if you're whispering around your house, you, you living on your own. Then I mean, that's going to be weird. You're yeah, going yeah. to have to ring in and, and leave an answer for a message for us. I think. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we do have some voicemails coming, actually. That's uh, we'll get worth to those. Now we'll get to that. Um, right. Track 12. Then Jimmy whispers. Um, the Did anyone root out what the song was about? Well, old Jimmy's a real guy, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. So Jimmy is Jimmy Caholias from uh color revolt is that the name of the band color revolt yeah yeah did you find this one charlie i did indeed give us a read on that quote will you mate so he said didn't he that he called andy at 4am and said hey i'm on the floor of a hotel in utah and just want you to know i just had a dream you and i were on the way to this lake where you could hear the voice of god whisper and we were both trembling in fear on our way there about what he would say yeah amazing that isn't amazing it? I mean, and then a, he immediately went into his little recording closet as it was then. Yeah. Threw a blanket over his head and recorded the demo. And apparently it just fell out of him. It's amazing. He also ends that quote with, and also long live Color Revolt. Hmm. So shout out Color Revolt. I think they're one of the artists up top that um, uh, we mentioned. Well, when I think I mentioned about uh, the Atlanta, Georgia bands. Yeah. Uh, that, that, um, that sort of cross over with them. And I think they'd be one. And Oh Brother is another. Um, I might be wrong location wise. It might be they might be Georgia, they might be Southern American, mm -hmm. but um I'll bang some of that in the um in the playlist. Yeah, as well. yeah, yeah. If you go find the <clears> playlist, there's, we'll, there's we, some crossover, you know. We will we will link to that playlist because it's not directly attached to the podcast. It's a separate account on Spotify, so we'll 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 share it. Um Amazing songwriting in this song, isn't it? The rhyming structure as, as well. Mm -hmm. Everything's just it's almost hymnal. Yeah. No, I, I, yeah. I, it's exactly how, yeah. how I wrote it. I said, I said, feels like scripture. I don't know if scripture mm -hmm. is the right word, but it is like that, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. When God does speak in this song. Um, in the name of Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus. When Jesus speaks, when he speaks, um, like the whole song put like pauses, doesn't move forward at all. So the, like that idea of a scripture or, or, or hymnal or whatever the the like the rhetoric of it repeats and repeats and repeats and this amazing string swell happens mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it doesn't um it doesn't stop it's really stressful i this song gives me goosebumps but the song itself is not uh, it's not very forgiving well um stuart uh out there on the not stuart little stuart from bleak stuart uh, big <laughs> stuart from bleak planet um he bleak um, planet he took on board uh, suggestions of, of leaving some comments and he did comment on this song and he said it um, it had some big Connor Oberst vibes. So that's um, Connor Oberst from Bright Eyes. Also mm -hmm. did some stuff with Phoebe Bridgers um, recently. Um, and he's right. He's doing that like right up here, like talking right, mm -hmm. you know, doing uh, almost threatening. and Yeah, yeah. Um, right so I will, I, will, I will agree with him on that one. Mm -hmm. And also remind you that if you want to leave some comments on the next album, please feel free and we'll try and address them where you can. We will bring them in. Mm. What an album. What an album, man. Oh, man. This is, I hope you've made it all the way oh, with God. us. Yeah, well, I, did. I, I, I did want to close it with, because this has been such a heavy unpacking of lyrics and we're all doing our best to interpret the uninterpretable when it comes to Andy Hull. Mm. I wanted to, um, and, and his, and his um, religion and stuff like that, I wanted to bring in a quote that he um, gave an answer to a question in an interview with um, a place called Blue Indian. Uh, and he was on an airplane on his way to Salt Lake City and was given the questions. And whilst he was in the sky, he wrote his answers down on a piece of paper, which was amazing, and sent his pictures to the interviewer. 
And one of the quotes that I took from it was a good way for us to kind of get some understanding on how his relationship with his parents for one and how the religion has affected his music and how he might want us to interpret that. So it went like this. He said, I write about what I know and what I don't know. My upbringing was healthy, happy, and full of love. My parents and I still remain very close. They're proud of us and happy that they don't have to bankroll our tours in suburban SUVs anymore. Growing up, learning lessons and stories that ultimately stand for strong values and treating others better than yourself, regardless of religious upbringing, these things are still valid and topical. Do I believe in God? Yes. Do I need to tell everyone they should believe in God? No. I'm writing songs and listeners break that down. And if they feel closer or further from God, at least they felt something. Nice, Carl. It, it sort of t- yeah, it takes the pressure off, really, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. No, thanks, Andy. We need Should to go that. and have a shower. Um, I, I need to call. I need to sit down in the shower and cry my eyes out for a couple of hours. I need to repent my sins. I think. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> That's what I need to do. Not that I've got any sins, mum. Hi, mum. <laughs> she listened to the last episode. So. Did she? Yeah, yeah. Christmas, mum. <laughs> um, so let's um, let's round off the end of this album, I guess. Then yeah. um, in terms I could do of with this, the beer, boys. Yeah, I'm going to get yeah. that beer in a minute. I'll, I'll go and get one. They're such a great band. Um, very funny, very dry. Yeah, some of the interviews and, were just hysterical. Yeah, I love, I yeah, love Andy's yeah. the way he puts himself across. It was a very good choice, Bunt. It was a good choice. You enjoyed man. it, yeah? Yeah, I did. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I don't think I'll bring one with this fucking this type of subject matter because I'm exhausted now. Even talking about yeah, it. Yeah, so. it's heavy, and you know, like yeah. it, we can only offset that so much with you know joking about it yeah. and stuff because it is it yeah. is a heavy topic and um and yeah, but it's it's an amazing album and I've become. A lot more of a fan through listening to it yeah. you know i didn't really know much at all about the band yeah. and coming away from this and and studying it so much i feel way closer to the band so are we calling it on that i reckon so i think i mean if, if everyone yeah amen yeah and there we there we have you it. want me to give you the the woody allen scene as though we've already talked about divorcing you might as well okay why don't you talk about it and i'll go and get some beers from the fridge well all i know is the quote on the back of the album well, i have no idea where it's from i can't find where it's from anyway but you, <laughs> right. can, you can okay you can do that well all, all i'm going to say on that one is on the back of the album cover um there's a quote from woody allen and it says eternal nothingness is fine if you happen to be dressed for it which is a good quote it's a beauty that's a beauty um, but yeah, Chris is going to grab, um, so we had an idea to round off each episode by, um, grabbing a couple of nice beers. Um, we tried to find some from Atlanta, but the shop didn't have any. So we got some from Manchester, which, Manchester. I guess it's as good as it can get. Wow. Um, should we, should we crack them then? Oh, jeepers. Oh, I need this today. Man, I, need, yeah, I, I do need that have, one after this one. Yeah. yeah. Pour it, Carl. Just pour it away. I'm going to pass you the can. Thanks. Oh, listen to that. ASMR. <laughs> Two right boys. Lovely. Where are these from? Uh, they're from Manchester. We've got ABC Brewery and we've got um, something cloud. It's on your one, Charlie. Did you, cloud did you purchase water. it from a, a lovely. Um, we did. We got it from Beercraft in Bath. Shout out to Beercraft in Bath. Shout out Beercraft. Amazing, amazing shop. Yep. Plenty of choice. So, yeah, we had. Um, We've got Cloudwater and ABC Brewery, both from Manchester. So shout out those guys. No, I'm terrified because I'm looking for my glass because I famously broke a lot of glasses in this room. <laughs> you have glass. actually, yeah. You can't. You only just got back onto oh, glass. You know I'm just going to have some out of the can, all right? So don't lose it. Carl, we've got a couple of comments as well. Um, I read this is Adam Loves Pasties, but it's obviously oh, not. It. No, he loves pasties. pasties. No, he loves pasties, I think. He wears pasties. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I know who this is. He wears pasties. Well, it's not much of a comment, but he left three water emojis on one of our Instagram. What's that suggesting? Well, well. Wet, wet, wet. Just as Andy Hall. Oh, just yeah. uh, hey, quite good. Maybe it? that's a request for an album. Wet, wet, wet. Yeah, it's a really subliminal. That's good because my mum loves wet, wet, wet as well. So. Mrs. Bunt. Um, Hello, Mrs. Bunt. We've got you covered. And then we've got uh, one from uh, Wiz JPEG. Wiz JPEG. Cool. Very, very lovely chap who said, 
Andy Hall is a trip. This episode is going to be intense. I mean, I mean, yep, he was and right, I mean, man. It pretty much was intense. If you're, if you're with way. us now, you'll uh, you'll be with us too. Um, well, I don't know where I'm going with this. Carl. Yeah, well, shout out to Wiz JPEG, or um, as his Reddit name is, what's the other name next to it? It was Wiz Lebowski. Wiz Lebowski, oh. that was it. Well, uh, yeah, thank you very much, man. We appreciate the support. Market uh, zero, Donnie. Whoa. Jesus Christ, that's the that loudest thing me. I've ever read in my life. Yeah, but compression. Is that it? That's it. Cool, that's it for those. Um, before we go, let's um, announce next week's album, which is going to be Charlie Alfred Burnett, the third Fowler's That is album. my full name. That is his full name. Well, boys, um, after a lot of thought, uh, I wanted to choose an album that I feel like I never gave the time to and that everyone raves about, and understandably so, and also that I feel like my music education has suffered from not listening to it. It does. The album is Sign O oh, The Times by Prince. Love it. Shit. Oh, yeah. It's going it. to strap in. Great, man. It's going to be a Can't good wait. one. It's going to be a really good one. That's going to be a sexy one. Probably. Yeah, it is. it is. But like yeah. I say, I just feel like it's one of those albums that I have I have listened to at some point, but not nearly enough. And I feel like when we actually get into it, you know, it's going to it's gonna shoot up there. As a, Fair enough, man. Love it. Great yeah. choice. Hopefully a um, slight change in theme as well. You know, we might have... Oh, if he starts talking about God, then I'll <laughs> bin it. <laughs> <laughs> right then. Well, I think that pretty much wraps us up. Oh, if um, if you enjoyed this album and you want to support the artist, go to the links in our bio and buy all of their stuff, listen to all of their music, go and watch the live stream, which is out, which came out on Friday the 12th, which will be three days after this episode comes out. So yeah, go listen to that, go support the band, and we'll see you next week for Charlie's suggestion, which is... It is Sign of the Times by Prince. Thank you, and we'll see you on the next episode. See you next time. Cheers and go. All right. Thanks for listening to Between the Tracks, a book club but for music. Written, produced, and presented by Carl Lewis, Chris Bunt, and Charlie Fowler. Intro and outro music by Ross Chapman and Sam Congetto. Artwork by Jim Hurd at Twin Fin Design Co. Thanks to our friends at Sennheiser for the support. If you've enjoyed this album and can afford to it directly from the artist, links have been added to our website. What's on there? It is Punchy McDougal here. Oh, I've just been listening to your podcast, and I, I have to say, I quite, there was a, a final point there that your main man brought up. I think it's um, El Bunte, I think. It's <laughs> oh, that's you, mate. Oh, no, there's only, there only three of you, so you'll probably work it out yourself. Um, but he, someone brought up the point about how nice it was that if, you know, an artist likes the art that they make or what other people make, right. other people might not like it themselves, you know. It might be a painter who enjoys punchy. the paintings uh, <laughs> that he true. sees, but other painters might not enjoy it. It might be a writer who's liking the literature of, you know, certain authors or what have you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> to be honest, I thought the point was fairly spot on because, um, you know, whilst other people might think your podcast is, is proper oh, good, I go. actually think it's a load of whole bollocks. <laughs> oh. I think you can fucking ditch it. I think unless you <laughs> add a little bit of chat about a Massey Ferguson or a fucking John Deere, <laughs> it ain't fucking worth listening to. It is a fucking waste for the lug holes. Right. <laughs> oh, right. Anyway, well, chuck right. a fucking you know an advert of that in there see how we get on and uh you know along those lines there i think you'll be all right all right my darling punchy mcdougall here if you want me to come on i'll come on the bloody show i'll talk about anything fucking fucking track, punchy, right? no, punchy. but at music fucking shove it up your ass man <laughs> <laughs>